So Tyler, I recently auditioned with a quartet to sing, potentially, the national anthem at the, the local baseball stadium here, which was kind of a fun experience. Whoa, I did not know you were in a quartet. I, well, in a quartet. I mean, it was it was a bespoke. Oh, someone put it together just for this? Just in time quartet. We just, we just put it for just for a this. Just in time quartet. <laughs> How, where did you meet these people? Are they from the choir that you're a part of, or uh, just yes, neighbors? Actually, yeah, neighbors. But but they were also they have also all been in uh, millennial choirs and orchestras that I was in. Well, that's pretty cool. So, what was the audition like? You yeah. just like who were you auditioning for? The baseball stadium people? Or... Uh, it, yes, like... actually, it was like the t- two folks from the staff of the baseball team and. Then one uh, music teacher who I presume actually knows, you know, who who is doing a good job at <laughs> singing this. So they have a music subject matter expert, not just baseball. That's good. Right. And I, I presume the, the folks from the baseball staff are also interested in the music side of it or they wouldn't have signed up for this, I guess. Sure. I don't know. But yeah, it was it was a fun experience. They brought they, they divided you up into groups of about 10 auditioners and we would all go into the room together and so you're kind of singing for an audience each time and so everybody in the whole group went and then that group would go and they bring in a new group sort of thing so i got to hear a few of the other auditions uh and one of them was a a really cool like bass guitar electric guitar uh, solo rendition of it which was fun uh and then all the rest of them were solos and some were some were okay, some were pretty good. Uh, there was like a, a little girl that had just a you know a fun voice. It's fun to yeah. hear little kids sing, especially when they're really good at it. Yeah, that's amazing. So I I I did not even know this was a thing. I never even stopped to wonder how they pick the people for singing the national anthem at baseball games. But that's that's interesting. Yeah. So what? So was this like a barbershop arrangement or more like? Yeah, like what? What's what was it like? It was not a barbershop arrangement. I I proposed one, but we we nixed it in favor of a more traditional one that we already kind of knew. So it was easier to throw together because this was like two days sure. two days before the audition. We're like, hey, we should go. Oh audition. wow! So this is just spur of the moment. Spur of the moment, but yeah, we we're all good enough that we can kind of just throw it together, and and we sound good. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, but just the four part harmony, four men. Well, keep me posted. I. I hope you get it, and I hope this gets recorded, and I hope I get to see it. See it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the time this episode goes out, we will know whether we got uh, got on the schedule or not. But at the at the, this time, I do not know. We'll, well see. I'll wait in suspense <laughs> to find out. Cool. Hello there, dear listener. I am Steve. And I'm Tyler, and welcome to another episode of It's Not About the Money, the podcast where we help you gain the clarity you need to run a successful small business. Tyler has a financial coaching practice. I run a tax business, and we are both small business owners like you. This podcast is our exploration of entrepreneurship, one episode at a time. And today... Today, we're continuing our YNAB rules series. This is rule two. If you missed rule one, you can go back to the previous episode and catch that one. This is rule two. What is rule two, Tyler? Right. So the second rule of YNAB, you need a budget, is called embrace your true expenses. 
what are true expenses? True, the real expenses that actually hit the bank account, not the not the pretend <laughs> ones. Right, right. Well, I think this rule has its root in the idea that if you were to ask the average person what are their monthly expenses, they would start with things like the mortgage, the utilities, the phone bill, subscriptions, whatever. Like they they would list out all their monthly expenses. If you just yeah. ask them to tell you what the regular bills were. But they might leave out things that occur less frequently than every month or that are unexpected or unpredictable. The idea behind embracing your true expenses is you take all of your bills that occur throughout the year and you treat them as if they were monthly bills. Okay. So this is the car insurance only comes up every six months, but I pretend like I'm setting aside one sixth of that every month so that when it comes up, it's just all the money's there ready to go. Right, right. Because uh, one of the major frustrations that people have in personal finance, especially when they're trying to run a budget, is that no two months are alike, right? <laughs> There's no such yeah. thing as a normal month. Like if you were to chart your expenses month by month throughout the year, there'd be peaks and valleys. There'd be a huge jump in expenses if your car broke down or if you did a bunch of shopping for holidays like Christmas or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then there would be other months where your utility bills are lower and you didn't have any emergencies somehow, you know. My December is always like this because, you know, Christmas shopping and then also the property tax bill gets paid in December because I don't have it come out of my mortgage payment every month. We just pay it directly. Mm-hmm. And so it's, a you know, that's a close to $10,000 just all in one go in December. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not prepared for that, it could be quite a shock to the system, actually. Mm-hmm. And so this this part of YNAB's methodology is designed to basically help uh, reduce the number of surprises, surprise expenses that you have that could throw you off of your plan or, or you know discourage you and make you stop budgeting, I guess. So what's interesting about it, though, is that rule two, embrace your true expenses, is really just rule one with a longer time horizon. So... In rule one, we talked about how it's important to give every dollar a job, right? And that rule one encourages you to focus on your immediate needs. Like, here's all the money that I have right now. I want to assign every dollar that I have a job so that I know exactly, uh, so that I can cover my expenses, my priorities right now, right? And rule two is that same thing, but you're focusing on the future a little bit more. So what expenses do I have coming up? that are not due immediately or even within the realm of this paycheck or this month um, and kind of preparing for those. Oh, that's interesting. Same rule, same concept. You're just giving dollars a job that that it's uh, further off in the future as opposed to immediate. Okay. I wonder if that's um, why they're in this particular order. Like you start with rule one and when you've got that one down, you move to rule two. Is it do they teach it that way of like a, these are sequential steps or are they more like learn them all at once and then apply them as best you, know, you can? That's a really good question. I, they do. They, I, they teach them all at once, I think, but they do build upon each other. Right. So I think they're designed so that if you did them in order, you would, that would be like the ideal way to start getting ahead in your finances. Cause first things first, you've got to cover your immediate obligations, right? Mm-hmm. Then once you've got that under control, you can start fo- focusing on covering your future obligations. And then as we get into rule three in the next episode, we'll talk about you know how following rule two enables you to 
do rule three, which is roll with the punches. It gives you the money and the flexibility to be able to do that. And of course, all of those roll forward into rule four, which is aid your money. So yeah, I think they are in this order for a very specific reason. So that's cool that you cut on that's to cool. that. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. And then as far as like, I, I get this question all the time. It's like, well, what are some examples of, of true expenses? And there's really only two categories, I would say. And it's the predictable. That's the first category. Those are things that you know are going to happen. You know when they're going to happen and you know how much they're going to be. Mm-hmm. And then the second category is true expenses that are unpredictable, but inevitable. So, so you may not know when they're going to happen or how much they'll cost, but you know they will happen eventually sometime. So an example of the first type, the predictable, or you've already mentioned some, so like annual or semi-annual subscriptions or insurance premiums, right? A big one that a lot of people forget about is registering their vehicles. And I guess that varies state by state, but in some states, it's, it's a lot. Um, I actually had a client in Montana. I didn't realize that registration, according to him, at least was a lot more expensive there than I had heard of in any other state mm. so far. So that was interesting. That could really catch you by surprise. And of course, holidays and birthdays, those kinds of things. You know when they are, you know roughly how much you want to spend on them and you can plan for it. And unpredictable but inevitable things would be things like basically car repairs, home repairs, and vet bills. <laughs> Anything of the sort, right? It's like, mm, yeah. It's going to happen at some point. I've been thinking. You don't know about, how much it's going to cost you, but yeah. I've been thinking about car repairs recently because our van, which is, uh, I don't know, 13 years old now, is starting to mm-hmm. need repairs more frequently than it used to. Ah, like strange yes. things are breaking down. <laughs> so. Yeah. And like, it's inevitable, right? Like it's, the car. Yeah. The... If, if I had thought, you know, when we bought the car, if, well, I didn't, I didn't know how long it would last, but it has lasted quite a long time. And so it's yes. going to continue to need more inputs, money inputs as the, as the years go by. So, but I don't know when they will happen. So being able to plan, you know, it, I don't know how to project that that exactly but uh i mean it's kind of like in this this category of unpredictable but inevitable it's kind of similar to saving for a rainy day except for it's doing Mm -hmm. that with a specific purpose in mind right so instead of like a general purpose rainy day fund or an emergency fund uh you're calling this one car repairs or home repairs or vet bills or whatever the case may be right and okay and this is actually um this gets into a really interesting conversation is, you know, the more you follow the YNAB methodology and the longer you practice it, the fewer emergencies you're actually going to have. Well, that's not the right, you know, emergencies will still happen, but they will not be a financial emergency. Right. They don't feel like an emergency. Right. It's like, oh, I need new tires all of a sudden, a thousand dollars. Like if you don't have a thousand dollars set aside for car repairs, that's going to be potentially a financial emergency or at least disrupt some other goal that you're working on, right? Or in a worst case scenario, like prevent you from purchasing something else that you need or want or make you more likely to rely on debt or credit cards. But if you've been saving $100 a month into your budget category that's called car repairs someday um, and you need new tires, you just have the money. It's amazing. It's really amazing. And rule two is where you really start to uh, feel like you're getting ahead in your finances as opposed to just keeping up. 
Mm-hmm. And that gives you the flexibility you mentioned earlier of, uh, like, I don't know how much the next repair on the van will be, but because there's some set aside in that category, and there's also some set aside in other categories, like when we get to rule three, we can roll with the punches. Yep. Like, maybe it ends mm-hmm. up being more than we set aside for that specifically, but we've got so many other places we can move it around, make it work. Right, and I know we're going to do a whole a whole episode on it, but rule three, roll with the punches, is essentially about being flexible, but you're being flexible, you're able to be flexible because you have money in your rule two categories. Mm-hmm. And you don't you have, have to get to move around. perfect about predicting the right amounts, I guess is what I'm getting at yeah. here. Like yeah, just yeah, yeah. start setting things aside do take your best guess and and go with that and then you'll iterate as you learn more yeah that's right i mean i've talked to some people who kind of get a little what do they call it paralysis analysis no no analysis pro- whatever like decision <laughs> they 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 get cut, they get stuck here right because they don't know well i don't know how much it's going to cost to fix my car so how could i pick a target to save each month and really the idea here is that it's better to have some money than no money. And you're right. You're going to be wrong, and that's okay. Right. It it will be more than zero and less than 100,000. So there's your parameters. Like, narrow that yeah. down a little more. Like, you, you, could, you right. could start to get some concrete numbers by throwing out these right. wild extremes right. in this. Well, okay, it'd probably be closer to this amount. Okay, there's your number. Yep. Go with that. Yep. Yeah. So one of the common difficulties with rule two, it kind of relates to that uncertainty about how much, but also mm-hmm. what what are my true expenses? The thing is, true expenses in general, they're easy to forget. If you're not used to keeping track of your finances, you probably only ever think about these when they happen. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh no, I need money. <laughs> Where is it? I don't know. I've got to go find it somewhere. Um, And so let's say you set up, you know, you're starting a new budget. You set up all the categories you think you're going to need, and three months down the road, an expense pops up that you didn't plan for. The good news is you can just add it. I mean, this is a pretty quick fix. Mm. Add it to your plan, set a target for it, and it will take a while to get these dialed in. But after like a full year of doing this, you will have discovered many, if not most, the potential true expenses that are going to apply to your life. Keeping in mind, of course, that life changes all the time. And so you'll need new ones and you'll need to retire old ones as, as your life changes. But yeah, um, the thing is, once you identify a new true expense, you add it to your budget, you put a target in there, like you'll never forget about it again. For me, it was the car registration where this was life changing, right? It's like mm. a couple hundred bucks every year. It always caught me by surprise. I'd get the notice in the mail. It's like, oh man, I got to get my safety and emissions inspection and, you know, register with the state. Da, 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 da. But now I've got a budget category for that. And for years and years, it's just like a non-issue. I don't even think about it. I just know that when it's time to do that. And I think for me, it's usually like in the springtime. I've got the amount of money. It's just sitting there. It's ready to go. It doesn't even feel like, I don't feel the pain, I guess, of of spending that money because it's something that I need to keep my car running mm-hmm. and uh, I'm prepared for it. It's great. Love that feeling of the, a bill comes due and the money's just already there waiting for it. Yeah, yeah. And and this is another cool like impact of this is um, a lot of people don't take advantage of auto pay features, whether it's for like their credit card bills, their utility bills, their insurance premiums, whatever the case may be, right? Because 
they're nervous that when that day comes and oh, the company that's yeah. sending the bill goes to their checking account to withdraw it, like it won't be enough money and they'll overdraft or something, right? Yeah. But if you're following YNAB rule two, that will never happen because you will have planned for it. It'll be there and you can set up auto pay and all your bills and just kind of sit back and let your finances run themselves. But it's very nice. Yeah, that's also really fun. I, I don't know if we've talked about this on here, but you, I, I used to go pay off the credit cards like every every week, every two weeks or something. It was mm-hmm. just like a task in my to-do list on Friday afternoon or something. Uh, and you encouraged me to put them all on auto pay just to, so that yeah, I wouldn't have I to think that. about it and just <laughs> see what happened. And because I was nervous about that it, because at times yeah. in the past there have, I have been on the credit card float and there wasn't yeah. enough in the, in the bank to cover the full balance at any given time. And so I didn't want to like get caught off guard, uh, but I did it and it has been very nice. Like I, I haven't turned it off since then. It's just been on. Oh, and nice. I don't I have to think about it Ha-ha. anymore. So yeah. Um, well, I'm glad I converted you <laughs> and I'm also glad that it worked out. <laughs> I'm glad that it's that it's improved your life. It sounds like that's mm-hmm. great. You know, we have to do a whole episode about managing credit cards because uh, that's not like directly related to the rules per se. It's more of a mechanical thing, or you know, I don't know. There's a lot to talk about there, and people do have like that concern that you have. I I've worked with clients who pay off their credit card in full every day. Oh wow, every day. Yeah, that that seems unnecessary. Well, I agree, but as we learned in the psychology of money episode, <laughs> you know, there's a reason people That's do that, true. right? Yeah. The, it doesn't seem silly or unnecessary to them, but it's yeah. interesting to dig into it and be like, okay, what what is driving that behavior, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a, just a misunderstanding of how credit cards work in general, and they think that carrying a balance means having a balance, which is not the case. Uh um, you know, okay. they don't want to pay interest on it. Sometimes right. it's a concern with like credit score and credit utilization. They're trying to like maybe artificially pump up their credit score for some reason or yeah, usually it's a, mis- a misunderstanding okay, of some point. thing like that. Right. Cause but, I do remember, uh, earlier in life when my credit limit would be lower, I would m- make sure and pay it off frequently enough that the balance never got above the whatever percentage they recommend. Yep. Yep. That's a good point. But even that, you wouldn't have to pay it off every day. No. Know? So. But but yeah, but I, I'm starting to see where they would come from uh, wanting to right, do it right. that frequently. Yeah. Okay. And I have a couple clients even right now that still pay off their credit card uh, more often than it's due. And there's, again, I don't, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I no. mean, you know, yeah. not, not, not at all, but it is more work than is necessary for the same financial outcome now there's got to be a psychological outcome maybe that's different based on what they are comfortable with and what you know what their experiences are but but uh yeah and so i don't want to push anyone in any direction but if i ever see someone doing like too much work or like more work (laughs) than is necessary just to make you know for the same result essentially right uh i like to kind of like talk through it with them and be like okay imagine if you only have to do this once a month or never because it's on auto pay but anyway Mm -hmm. Little side sidebar there on credit cards. So, what's the difference between true expenses and like a big lump sum emergency fund? Ugh. 
Why why would you want one over the other? I don't know. I go <laughs> sorry. I sighed there because like I find this is such a fascinating topic for me and I'm I'm, I'm always changing my mind on it. <laughs> oh, okay. Tell me more. Oh, well, okay. You know, earlier we kind of got at this a little bit where it's like, you know, is your car breaking down and having a $2,000 repair? Is that an emergency? And the answer depends mm -hmm. on whether you have money set aside to cover that expense already or not. I think. Yeah. I think. Right. So, so, um, really the difference between having a lump sum emergency fund and funding your true expenses, I think is maybe personal preference or semantics. I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, technically the difference is they are named, they are named budget categories, right? So like I've given these dollars the job to repair my car when my car breaks down, which it will, whether it's yeah. next month or in five years. Okay. Versus I have given these dollars a job to sit around and wait for some emergency, which I expect will yeah. happen, but I don't know what it is or how much it will be or how many will come right. all at once. And so go, go sit in this big pile together. Yeah. And like we said earlier, the more you follow YNAB rule two, the fewer and fewer life events will qualify as an emergency. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of at the point in my life. Well, I, so again, this is all personal preference. So I'm not recommending necessarily that anybody do what I do here, but just like to help you kind of to walk through like my thinking on this is I got to the point where I had a separate budget category for my car repairs and car breaking down. So that's not going to be something that comes out of an emergency fund. Um, and then since I became a homeowner a few years ago, I started a specific budget category for appliance repair and replacement. Cause I know that's a big one, right? Mm, if your refrigerator yeah. dies or yeah. your washing machine breaks or like whatever the case may be. I've had problems with my furnace actually, even though my home is just a few years old. And so, you know, furnaces, HVAC systems, as we've talked about on this show before are really, really expensive. Like shockingly. So it turns out to me at least, right. As I've never purchased one before. Um, and so that would be a big emergency if it's the middle of your winter uh, in a cold place and your furnace is like not repairable, you need a new one and you're going to be taken out alone if you don't have a big chunk of money sitting around for that, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is I've, I've kind of systematically tried to expand my true expense uh, categories so that there are fewer categories that I would need or fewer life events that I would need to take out of a lump sum emergency fund if they happened. Okay. Like I have another one that's, that's just a, it's a category budget category for my uh, health insurance deductible, like the amount of my health insurance deductible. Right. So like if I had a medical emergency, I would have enough to cover my deductible. Oh yeah. 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 So now that's not an emergency. Um, so the only emergency lump sum fund that I have left. It's not even that. It's a named category and it's an income replacement. So it's in the event that I lose my primary source of income. That's what that money is for, is to cover my expenses until I find a new job, basically. Mm -hmm. So at this point in my journey, and as we all know, I change, you know, I change my budget a lot. So stay tuned. <laughs> but as of right now, um I don't have an emergency fund per se. Okay. A, a general emergency fund. I have an income replacement, income loss fund, and then named named categories for kind of the big areas of life that could 
that could throw me off if they happen, when they happen. I like that. I will just add another benefit I've found of having named categories for these kinds of things is it's much easier for me to not pull something out of there and say, oh, I, uh, I'm i just going to use a little bit of this yes. over here for this other thing and then yes. forget to replace it because it's got a name and it has a target on it. And so I know I pulled some money out of there and I got to put it back eventually because I'm going to need it for that thing. So it, maybe I need it for something else right now and that's fine. I can roll with the punches, but it's got to yep. go back yep. eventually. So having yeah. those named uh, named uh, categories with targets has been really helpful on that front. Yeah, I agree. I am the biggest uh, perpetrator of emergency fund theft <laughs> that I am that I know personally. Yeah, because I, I, uh-huh. it's just like a big chunk of money sitting there, and you're like, "Ooh, yes, I do want that new camera lens. Wouldn't it be nice to have this little fun thing?" And it's just so easy to. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. and not necessarily wrong. Again, that's not the point. Uh, but I I resonate with what you said. I it was way too easy for me to do that to the point where my emergency fund was more often low or underfunded than it was fully funded. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because so I mean, hey, like, hey, there's a, there's a big pot of money sitting yeah. here, and I've got some fun, <laughs> oh, nice, useful <laughs> things I'd like to do with it. Yeah. And that gets to our, back to our conversation. We had a whole, a whole episode about optionality, right? So regardless yeah. of whether you call it an emergency fund or an appliance replacement fund or an insurance deductible fund, like it doesn't matter what you call it, like having money, following rule two, embracing your true expenses gives you choice and gives you flexibility and mitigates the impact of you know, financial shockers to your system. Or I would say, rather than that, I would say it mitigates the impact of surprise expenses in your life. I would even go so far as to say it makes your personal finances boring in a good way. <laughs> like, I remember living on the financial edge, and that wasn't boring. It was a little anxiety-inducing. Right, though. yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like, peace of mind. It sounds so corny. That's what everyone promises in the personal finance space is, you know, eliminate money stress, get rid of your anxiety. But like, really, do it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Follow YNAB rule to eliminate your money stress. It actually is possible. Yeah. And it actually is pretty, pretty awesome. There's so many other more useful things you can do with that energy rather than putting it towards stress. Like audition for singing the national anthem. I, I suppose. A baseball game. On a, yeah, <laughs> last minute. So Steve, uh, earlier on in this episode, we talked about some of the common true expense categories like insurance premiums, annual subscriptions, car repairs, that kind of stuff. But I kind of wanted to take a look at our personal budgets and just share some maybe off the beaten path. I don't know, some things that we've got as true expenses to maybe give some people additional ideas. Um, I don't know that they're going to be that crazy or unique, but I've got a Mm. few on here that I am a little intense about. Mm, Okay. So some of my high level ones, like Christmas, we've talked about that multiple times, I think. I, I theoretically have one for the insurance deductible, like you mentioned, but it, uh-huh. it never gets funded fully. So that one's sort of a, a aspir- an aspirational one. But uh, the, I have a whole category of just subscriptions, and there's like a shocking number of subscriptions in there. But uh, and, and those are like, uh, I put the monthly ones up at the top, and then like the annual ones 
are in the second half in order that uh-huh. they occur and they've all got targets on them. What else? Now I'm curious how many subscriptions you have. I, I maxed mm-hmm. out once at 21, but I know there's people who have a lot more than that. We don't have to, we, we don't, you don't have to answer there that. There are 17. Oh, okay. There's, so you're like, that's fine. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's not an unusual number of subscriptions. Yeah. I, we should do a survey or a poll. Or <laughs> yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. So there's 17 in there. Uh, one, so one interesting idea that I got from, I don't know, Hannah, maybe one of the YNAB YouTubers uh-huh. was, um, if you think you might want to like get a new car or, uh, start renting a new apartment or something where your monthly payment is going to be higher than what you're currently paying, go uh-huh. make a budget category for it and put in the amount and try it out for a couple of months just pretend like you had Ooh. to pay that thing, put the money in that category, but don't spend it, obviously, because you haven't bought the thing, and then come back and see, like, was that a big deal? Was Did it hurt to allocate the money there? Or, no, that was great. Let's go ahead and make the purchase. And then, surprise, you've got, like, a couple of uh, couple months worth for a down payment now, just for free, because you yeah. got ahead of it. Oh, that's a cool So idea. I have a line in here for a new car fund, We've been talking about my van. We may need one, yeah, uh, in the next couple of years at least. Uh, and so it's you know it's currently at zero, but it's in there to remind me, hey, uh, don't forget to think about this. Someday it'll happen. That's funny because I also have a budget category for a new car, and it also has a balance of zero because <laughs> I can't. I've got some other stuff I'm working on right now, you know, yeah. and I, I'm, I'm hoping my car will keep lasting for a while before I get, but yeah, that's funny. That's cool. Same here. Here's one that I have. I have one for phone replacement or a new phone. Ah. And I save up every month for that because I know I'm going to, I'm going to buy one. I, I've gotten a lot better. Well, well, we don't need to do a confessional here, but I, I, I used to be one of those people that I had to have the new phone every year for a long time. It was mm-hmm. kind of like a hobby yeah. of mine. So this category was much more used. Uh, and then I like... Did some addiction recovery, I guess, from my technology <laughs> addiction. Uh-huh. And I got up to like three years. I was doing it every three years. Um, but just this last year, I guess this is kind of a moot point now because I I was I I decided to do Apple's like upgrade program mm. instead and just get a new one every year again because I guess I'm having a relapse. So anyway, <laughs> but it's true expense. Okay. So there it is. I, I probably need one of those because my phone, the face ID only works half of the time now. Which is very frustrating. I know first world That's problem here. Inconvenient. You know, I have to type in a six yes, code, yes. six digit code instead. But what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Along that same vein, I have one for computer replacement. I do not plan on replacing my computer anytime soon. May it never die, and may it stay fast forever. But eventually, I'll need to do that. And um, I always find the money somewhere. So I figured I I would try to actually you know set it aside in advance this time. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else here? Let's see. Oh, here's a more mundane one. Um, I'm single. I don't have any kids, but I have a budget category here for clothing. So I don't buy clothing very often. Hmm. But I, so I just have a true, but it's like, I need it. Right. For all of your sakes, you know? Uh, So I guess podcast, it wouldn't matter. But in real life, I need clothes, it turns out. And I I hate shopping for clothes and I very rarely do it. And I wear them until they're threadbare. I'm sorry. A lot of TMI is coming out right now, but. 
but uh, so yeah, so that's a true expense for me. I always make sure I have some money being saved up for there so that I can buy clothes. It's not my favorite thing to do, but when I do it, it's nice to just have the money. Agreed. Another one I have is travel slash vacation. I think you you talked recently about how it's kind of nicer to, rather than saving up like a a tiny amount every month to like, eventually it would be nice to go on a vacation somewhere, maybe, I don't know. Uh, But to say like, specifically, I would like to go visit this person in this place. Here's how much it will cost. Yes. Here's a date for it. Yeah, I I think yeah, I remember that conversation because I had been treating all of my optional travel as a true expense that I was just like saving up for ambiguously. But the progress was slow and I you know, I I've decided basically that I value travel a little bit more now at this point in my life than I have in the past and so like I want to do more of it. And so yeah, putting a specific trip that I have in mind into my budget um it helps me when I'm assigning my dollars in rule one to kind of prioritize that and be able to do that faster. Nice. I like that. But um, another thing in my budget that I treat as a true expense is daycare for my dog or, you know, boarding for my dog. Um, Mm. Because I never really know when I'm going to need that or how much it'll be, but I like having money for it. It makes it easy if I need to take some time off from work and go do something, help some family, go on a little trip on vacation just nice to have yeah otherwise that could be kind of a burden because that can be kind of expensive uh, it can get expensive uh-huh. i guess depending on how long you go and how, and how you know what kind of service provider you use but i don't ever want that to be a reason for me not to do something and so i've decided to treat that as a true expense and save up for it every month uh, mm-hmm. a little bit using a monthly savings builder target in YNAP. that's a great idea all right well there's some ideas to get you thinking if you're wondering what might my true expenses be yes (laughs) um i thought i'd it might be worth mentioning whether one other thing about uh ynab rule number two and how it relates to debt payoff and maybe comparing it with like the dave ramsey book that we read and did a book club episode on a while back Mm -hmm. Um, because a lot of people ask you know should I prioritize funding my true expenses or should I prioritize paying off my debts? Like if when I've got some extra cash flow this month, you know, where should I put that? And of course the answer is what's the most important thing to you, but right. Or as, as you would say, Steve, it depends. (laughs) It depends. But in general, YNAV the company has found in their experience that they recommend uh, funding your true expenses first which I think is the same reason Dave Ramsey wants you to have a $1,000 emergency fund before you dive into you know, really intensely paying off your debt. It's because if you're putting every single extra penny into paying off debt, these emergencies are still going to happen. Your car is still going to break down. You're still going to need to go to the mm-hmm. hospital potentially, you know, whatever it is. So like, And if you have put all of your money into your debt, then you have no cushion and you have no ability to absorb those emergencies. And so you're actually going to potentially risk putting yourself in a position to go further into debt. Right. So if your goal is, is pay down debt, let's make sure you don't accidentally get more more debt while you're in the process. And to do that, you need some, what what does he call it? Murphy insurance or something? Or is that, or is that the later when, when you're actually building out your, 
big emergency fund. But anyway, I don't know, but I remember the phrase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You need a buffer because Murphy's law, right? If Murphy's law. Uh, yes, uh, right. Can go wrong. It will go wrong. Murphy's yes. Law. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, if you had to compare Dave Ramsey to the YNAB method, uh, again, it's it's a little bit apples and oranges because the YNAB method, the four rules of YNAB, are not telling you what to do with your money, actually. And Dave Ramsey's baby steps kind of are telling you what to do with your money. Mm-hmm. Like here's you know first do this, then do this, then do this. So it's a little bit apples and oranges, but I would say in general, YNAB's approach to debt payoff is a little bit less intense than Dave Ramsey's because he re- he encourages you to have just a $1,000 emergency fund and then go crazy on your debt until it's paid off. And YNAB says, why don't you actually just keep funding your true expenses all the way through debt payoff, which means you're going to have less money to throw at the debt. You can still be aggressive, but you should also be preparing for these other true expenses at the same time. So a eh, little compare and contrast there. Mm-hmm. So I will say, when I was brand new to YNAB, there were a couple of things that really caught my attention and convinced me that it was the methodology for me. One I've mentioned many times before was their approach to credit cards, which is not really part of their methodology. We can talk about that in a different episode. But this rule too, this was a big one for me because honestly, it just had never occurred to me, which I mean, I don't know what that says about me, but it, you know, I was in good company. It doesn't occur to a lot of people mm-hmm. to prepare for these true expenses, right? It's just like, oh, it's Christmas time. I guess I'm going to go rack up a bunch of bills on my credit card to pay for Christmas or 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 whatever. So so uh, I think this is, you know, rule one, giving every dollar a job. That's kind of basic table stakes, zero-based budgeting. It's a great principle. It provides clarity instantaneously which can relieve a lot of stress and um, that comes from ambiguity in your personal finances. But rule two, embracing your true expenses, this is where you start to make progress, like actually starting building up some savings. And that that was an opener for me. And I think it's exciting for a lot of people who experience it for the first time as well. Yeah. And getting that momentum going is is really exciting. Yeah. It kind of distances you from the financial edge a little bit by little bit. Right. And that's where the peace of mind comes from. It's when you're not worrying day to day about when bills is when is this bill going to hit the account and when do I have to pay this thing off and is there going to be enough before yeah. that happens? You just don't you can get farther and farther away from that. Well, I kind of want to ask you, Steve. So I know you you're a big fan of YNAB. You've used it for years, right? Yeah. Um have you had moments like this where like, I mean, we've talked on this show about appliance repairs. We've talked about car repairs in our, our lives or whatever. I'm curious if you could like, have you had moments where you're like, oh, darn, I have to pay for this thing, but look at this. I have money for it. I mean, have you experienced the benefit personally of rule two? Yes, I have. And I do still have times where, oh, we need a car repair, but there's not enough in that. Mm-hmm. budget for that and so we're gonna have to pull it from somewhere else we'll talk about that on the next episode but uh but things like you know the insurance i don't even think about car insurance anymore it's just there mm-hmm. well I, except for that they they tend to send me the rate increase notification oh. like a month before the bill hits and so then i have to go update the target and so we're a little bit behind by the time eh, you know right. that's fine but yeah it, like, like insurance credit cards just don't have to think about them anymore. Yeah. 
It's funny you mentioned the notices of like rate increases for these things because when I get the email or the letter in the mail for those things, first of all, I'm always just like, oh, yeah, it's going to mess up my budget. <laughs> but the first <laughs> thing I do every time is I go into YNAB, like I read the email, I get the new amount, I go into YNAB and I just update the target for that category mm -hmm. in my budget and then I just delete the email and I'm like, cool, yeah. I'll be ready. Yeah, I love that. I do oh, that too. Brings a tear to my eye. <laughs> Mm -hmm. All right. Well, cool. I think that's enough here for rule two. And we've All even right. teed up some good topics for the next episode where we talk about rule number three. Okay. We'll see you on that one then. In the meantime, you can email us hello at notaboutmoney.com. And thanks for listening.